0: Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman.
1: This is Career Central, an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host. Our guest today is Kate Dixon, an expert in salary and benefit negotiation and the author of an amazing new book, Pay It Up, Unlocking Inner Insider Secrets to Salary Negotiation. If you find yourself dreading the idea of negotiating a job offer or afraid to ask for a raise, you are listening to the right podcast. Kate, it is a real honor to have you on our show. Welcome. Thank you so
2: much. Thanks for having me.
1: So can you share with our listeners a little bit about your personal career path?
2: uh you bet um i actually uh started out um in compensation so i spent most of my career working uh in designing pay packages and pay programs and managing them and creating offers in companies like american express and intel and nike and um and and while i was doing that one of the things that i realized is i loved helping people understand What they were getting, I I just loved that, and I also loved um, leadership development. And so, I got trained as a coach, and I'm also a certified coach. And when I um, decided to retire from Nike uh, a couple years ago, I thought, "Well, what a great combination of the things that I really know a lot about, which is compensation, and the things that I'm passionate about, which is helping leaders do better stuff." So, um, so that's. That's why I do what I do. I'm a salary negotiation coach, and as you said, I just wrote Pay Up, which really guides people through how to negotiate their salary offers.
1: Okay, so it sounds like you spent a lot of time on the corporate side figuring out about compensation. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from that that was will help our listeners as the person who is trying to secure a, a better compensation packet?
2: Well, I think... Um, one of the things that i hear from clients all the time is that they think that it's a um it's a battle royale you know it's it's me against the company to the finish and you know <laughs> whoever um comes out unscathed is the winner and that's um what what i would say from the inside um is that By the time you get an offer, the company really, really wants you to accept it. So it's really not about uh, a cage match or anything like that. It really should be a collaboration. And the people on the inside are working on your behalf too. Um, And so you you really want to use a collaborative approach.
1: So can you share a little bit about what happens on the inside? Because you were that person who probably they came and said, Gee, I'd like to offer this person a, a higher salary was that kind of your role? is that what
2: happened? Well it depends you know depends but yes, um, oftentimes I'd be the one who would create the offers. I'd look at you know somebody's uh, background and what we had going on inside the company as well and I'd create the actual offer for um, for some of these folks and um, and so I would collaborate with the person who's in staffing or talent acquisition to make sure that we could get a great offer to the candidate. And then as they negotiated, um, provide the flexibility that we needed. And then if we needed to get additional uh, approvals, which sometimes happens, um, then I'd help run that process as well up through the management chain and stuff. So um, so from the inside, you know, basically what's happening um, in most places is that there's someone who's creating an offer that they think that you're going to like. Um, they're they're looking at what they know of the external market, and they're also looking at who they have inside the company who's doing similar things to what you're going to be coming to do. And so um, there's a lot of thought that goes into these offers. And um, we always tried to make things as attractive as possible uh really help the candidate understand um the the things that they were coming into that they might not have at their other company that they're coming away from so you know again there's a a real process in in uh trying to get to something that makes sense so, um, you know, if some people think that, that the company is trying to lowball you, and that's really not the case. But there may be a case where the company doesn't value the work that you're coming in to do the same way that you do. Uh, and that can just be a mismatch. Um, it can be an opportunity to help them understand the external market in a different way. Uh, and it could just be that it's not, uh, not a good place for you to work if they don't if they don't value you the way that you want them to. So, um, so yeah. So it it's not that uh, people on the inside are trying to lowball you. They're also not trying to make an offer that you could never refuse. They're trying to get something that would be appealing and that you feel good uh, accepting.
1: It, yeah, it sounds like the companies are doing the same thing as the candidates, trying to figure out what's the range of salary that um, is acceptable on both sides. Mm-hmm. So I really like your comment about it's not a battle, it's not a fight. It's a collaboration to get to the right point. Um, yeah. A couple things I really liked is a lot of times people will counter to the hiring manager and not get an immediate answer and wonder why. But I think you mm-hmm. shared with them that sometimes you have to work up, up the chain of command. You have to um,
2: connect with other departments. That. Yeah. Is that one of the delays? That is absolutely true. In the case of um, executive offers, there's a lot more approvals that have to happen higher in the organization, Um, and, you know, with certain positions, there even needs to be approval by the board of directors, and so some of these things that you think, well, why can't they just say yes right now, even, you know, because you know they want to say yes, but they may not be able to because they need to get some checkoffs, and and. Um, I think that's one piece that people don't really understand is how long it can take. I mean, once the offer is is ready for delivery, that offer has already gone through an approval process. So so if you say yes to the offer, then it's good and no big deal. But... um, if, if you need to run down things, especially if they're not the normal way that the company does things, it can take quite a bit of machinations.
1: Okay. So am I hearing you say that most companies build in a little bit for possible negotiations?
2: Well, I don't know if they build it in per se, but I, there is an expectation from companies that people will try to negotiate their offer. I mean, it's it's pretty typical that people will uh, negotiate, especially things like base pay. Um, and if somebody's relocating, there are almost inevitably things that um, either the candidate needs to understand better or they are going to ask for that's not covered, um, those are those are probably the two most uh, common things to negotiate is base pay and some of the relocation um, conditions.
1: Now, based on your experience, do most people negotiate salary increases and raises that they're entitled to?
2: So I think that's a really great question because of one word that's in that question, and that is the word entitled, um, because I don't think anybody's really entitled to anything, right? Um, but that's not saying you shouldn't get something and you shouldn't ask for something. So, um, Because basically, if, if you're entitled to something, they're going to be offering it to you. But if, if you want something that they're not giving, that's a negotiation. And I think that's really the space where most people need to, to um, be in. And what's fascinating is a lot of people that I talk with, um, they are not, um, they do not negotiate pay, especially women and especially um, people of color and especially LGBTQ people. Uh, And that's what I've found in my years of doing this work is that those folks tend to be socialized to just you know, with messages like, you should just be happy you have a job, or wow, you're lucky to get the offer. And so those kinds of messages, whether they're, you know, something that somebody is externally telling you, or they're things that are um, internal, what happens is that that makes us less likely then to ask for things that we want. Um, And You know, studies have shown that 83% of people who try to negotiate get something. And that is a huge, huge number. And so, you know, yeah, there are that 17% of people who don't, but 83%, that's pretty good odds. So how infrequently
1: do you think some of the, the folks in these groups don't negotiate? I mean, is it more than half don't even make the effort, or...? Uh,
2: yeah I mean I, it's hard to know uh, for sure, but um, recent studies have said particularly women um, don't a- don't ask for um, any concessions or don't negotiate their salary um, over half the time and you know I don't know what the numbers would be for other groups, but wow, just not even not even trying, not even asking and and one of the things that I believe to be true is. Even if you ask and you don't get something, um, it, it actually um, is beneficial to you because you're setting the stage that you advocate for yourself, that you're aware of the market, and that you feel like you are worth more. And that is valuable to you in the future with the company, even if they're not willing to give you more today.
1: So um, let's talk about um, employers and their expectations. Um, we talked a little bit about asking for for increases, but any other thoughts that might encourage listeners to know that it's okay to ask?
2: Yeah, I do believe that it's always okay to ask, and if you're currently in a company and you're hearing that market rate for the job that you're doing is significantly higher than what you're making it's absolutely okay to ask for more um, and you know one of the things that I do recommend to my clients is um, it's not enough just to ask for more money. Uh, you really need to start with your value proposition so, you know, what is it that you're bringing to the company? And and if you can start the conversation by, you know, talking about the results that you delivered and the impact that you make to the company, it's going to be a lot easier for your management team to say, oh, yeah, we're going to make an investment here. Because, again, you have to think in the mind of the people that you're, quote, unquote, selling this idea to. And if you can show how you can make them more successful and how you have contributed and made them more successful over time, again, that's a place where it's a lot easier for you to um, get an increase at that point.
1: I really like that approach. I call it thinking like the employer. In other words, instead of going in and saying, gee, I want more money, it's like this is why you should pay me more money. Do you want to dig a little deeper into that conversation uh, or how you prepare for that conversation in terms of putting things in terms the employer understands?
2: Well, um, sure. Uh, One of the things that I would really encourage people to not do is to not use the word fair uh, because it tends to trigger people uh, okay. of course we all want to think hey we're, we're we're fair we're we are you know working with integrity in the system and the moment that people bring up the word f- fair, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you think that I'm not being fair that I'm not acting in integrity and that's not really the the thing that you're trying to necessarily bring up it, you know of course, could it be true maybe but when you put somebody on the defensive by using the word fair, it, it's going to make it harder for them to hear the messages that you want. Um, you know, you you really want them to know it. Basically, hey, um, I'm a huge contributor. Um, I, I've m- contributed these results to the company and our department, and and those kinds of things. And when you know, and so that's kind of the the table stakes, right? That's the the basics, the foundation. You know, hey, I'm I'm really making a difference here. And then from from that foundation, then you can get into the conversation. It's very much like the conversation that you would have with an, a, a potential employer in a new job situation. But you can say things like, based on my research. Jobs like this are be paid between X and Y in the market. So let's say for this particular job, between fifty dollars and $60,000 in the market. Um, I'm currently at 45. Based on my contributions and impact to the company, I'm really targeting the higher end of that range. Mm-hmm. How close can we get to that? And are, you know, and let's unpack that for a second. So, you know, you're, you're giving them a range, so you're you're kind of helping them what's called anchor in terms of um, negotiation talk. So you're anchoring them to that range of fifty to sixty, right? Which is significantly above the forty-five that you might get now. Mm-hmm. So, and and then you're also anchoring them to the top end of that because of the impact that you're bringing you're targeting the higher end of that range. Okay, so now I'm, t- I'm, I'm anchored to 60. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that psychologically is really, you know, a significant increase. And then you say, how close can we get to that? Mm-hmm. Again, this, it's a collaborative statement we, we are getting to this, right? How close can we get, right? You're not saying, can I have an increase? Um, I'd like to have 10% increase. You're saying, you know, hey, this is the market. That's something that's external from you, right? And it's external from the people that you're talking with. Mm-hmm. Um, so anchoring to that high number and, and offering this collaborative approach how close can we get to that it's something that they won't be able to answer in the moment and that's exactly what you want okay very good
1: we are going to take a very short break and when we come back we are going to dig deeper into how you can get ready for that very important salary or raise negotiation we'll be back in a minute talking to kate
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central.
1: Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking to Kate Dixon, an expert on salary negotiations, all about the strategy for going into a negotiation. But I just want to remind our listeners, and I'm going to ask Kate this, so employers do expect candidates and employees to ask for
2: increases in salaries and benefits, correct? Yeah, they do. And I would say that um, it's a much more common expectation for people who are entering negotiations with a company that they haven't worked for before. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of current employers um, are hoping that um, people don't ask for increases outside of kind of the normal annual merit increase and promotional increases and stuff. They hope that they won't do it. But, you know, we all know as as managers that that's a normal thing for people to do. Um, so it's not you know, I don't want to discourage people from doing this. Um, I just want you to go in with a plan. And that's the same thing that I would want for you if you were doing a negotiation with a new company as well.
1: One of the things before we move on and talk about the logistics of this is the impact of not negotiating that entry-level salary. What happens over the years?
2: Well, you know, it's a great question. Um, Honestly, it's it's a compound effect essentially. So if you go into your first job and don't negotiate, and you could have gotten, let's say, ten thousand dollars more, um, and you think about that over the course of your career, um, everything is going to be based off of the salary that you had last time at your at your current employer. Now, if you move between employers. Uh, one of the things to note is that you don't have to talk to them about your salary history. It's illegal in most states now, but, um, but you can talk about your expectations. But, you know, honestly, the compound effect of um, not negotiating your salary and never negotiating your salary, it can cost you hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars over the course of your career. All right. So hopefully that
1: motivates our listeners to go, oh, okay, for a million dollars, I think I will um, develop these negotiation skills, even though I may only use them once in a while. They're definitely worth mm-hmm. um, learning. So let's move into what are some skills that people should develop in preparation for
2: negotiation? Well, there, there are a number of different things that um, that I recommend that people do in terms of their skill set. So you know, one of them is something that we've kind of talk a little bit about, um, and that's, you know, what to say and what not to say. Um, And you want to approach things like a collaboration, and so words matter. um, And the way that you approach what you're asking for matters. Um, You know, honestly, you need to understand what you're being offered. That's probably the first thing. So, you know, you get an offer letter and you know, it's not just, okay, you're getting an offer for, you know, $68,000 and that's the end and you know all that you need to know. You really need to understand, okay, that's the base pay. Is there a bonus opportunity? Is there any long term incentives or stock um, opportunity? What do the benefits look like? Um, what do the work conditions and work hours look like if you're working remotely? What does that mean? Does it change after COVID gets done? Um, All of these things are really important in terms of understanding what exactly it is that's in front of you. Some of those you'll be able to answer by really reading closely everything that you get, and some things you're going to have to ask the recruiter about as well. So understanding your offer is a a big, important thing, Um, really evaluating that offer so Knowing how the offer and everything in it compares to what you currently have, if you currently have a job, that's really important. What do, what do the paid time off or vacation um, opportunities look like at the new place versus your current place? Because not everybody's going to have the same benefits. Um, and then, you know, negotiating basics. So how how should you do it? What should you ask for? Um You know, this idea of collaboration is really important. Um, Honestly, those are really kind of the the big things. What to say, how to understand and evaluate your offer, and and the negotiation um, basics. I think those are kind of the things that I would say are top of the line for skill set.
1: You said several very important things, but the thing I think that's probably most important to remember is it is okay to ask about the details of an offer. You're not on your own. Um, And you mentioned a recruiter. Uh, You know, if if someone gets a job offer from, you know, their hiring manager and they look it over, who should be the first person they ask about any of the
2: details well, the the first thing that I would say is to make sure that you are reading everything you have access to. And so um, that's the offer letter. A lot of times that'll have uh, a benefits brochure that's attached to it. Um, if you're relocating, it'll probably have a relocation policy. So the first first line of defense is make sure that you're really reading and rereading everything that you get. Sometimes they'll um, hook you up with some website that has more information as well. Um, So that's the first thing. Um, Sometimes employers will also put like an 800 number um, where you can ask questions about benefits and stuff. So that's really helpful too. But once you've been through that, um, your recruiter is really your next Uh, person that you'll want to talk to about this stuff. And, you know, again, I want to put this into context of the entire negotiation conversation. So what I tell my clients is start with expressing your delight. So it's a four-step process. So make sure you let them know that you're really happy to have this offer uh, because you don't want them to wonder if you are happy about it or not. And it's a thing that, you know, people are really nervous, and so sometimes they skip this. Just let them know, wow, I'm so excited to have this offer. That doesn't mean I'm excited about every detail of the offer. If you're excited to have an offer, you're excited to be at that point. The second piece is this questions piece that you just talked about. So ask the questions that you need to have answered and be aware of, you know, how many questions you're asking. You don't want to have like a laundry list of a thousand billion questions, some of which don't make a difference on whether or not you're going to accept the offer. There's some that you really want to figure out um, as you start with the company, but they're not going to be critical to, is this going to make a difference between whether or not I'm going to accept the offer? Ask the questions that make a difference in whether or not you're going to accept. Um, So first express excitement, then ask your questions. The third thing is ask for what you want. And then Um, You know, that really means that you're asking for, um, you know, an increase in the base pay or uh, a change to the relocation policy or a higher bonus percentage or whatever it is that you have identified in this understanding and evaluation process that you really would like to see more of. Um, And then once you've asked for the things that you want – the last thing is really ending on an up note, right? So express confidence, um, you know, I, you know, again, I'm really excited about the offer, I'm confident we'll be able to get to a result that benefits us both, that's a really good way to talk about it. Um, but make sure that you're ending on an up note because one of the things that's really fascinating is research shows that the end of the conversation is more important than either the beginning or the middle. So, again, if you can end on an up note, a collaborative note, a positive note, that's going to get you um, a lot farther in the negotiation process.
1: I, I love that, and I love the way that you just you know, four-step process, you know, express delight, um, ask your questions, ask for what you want. And then that very important thing that I think we forget about is to end on that, you know, upbeat, sort of like, oh, gosh, mm-hmm. I've got the answers to my question. I'm not going to get off the phone or I've got to say yes or something like that. And let's talk yeah. a little bit about um, getting an offer and asking for time to think about it. How does the employer react to that
2: request? You know, I think it's pretty normal to get requests like that, Um, and I I also think that it's pretty normal for uh, people to think that they don't have any time. Um, It's pretty rare to have what I call an exploding offer. Um, Exploding offers are ones that, you know, they say, okay, well, this offer is on the table for the next 24 hours. Um, after which it's not on the table anymore. That's a little bit more common in the tech space. And it's because they don't want people, you know, floating out there with an offer, trying to decide for weeks at a time that that's not that doesn't serve them. So um, but, you know, asking for 24 or 48 hours, or if it's on, you know, on a Friday, ask them for the weekend to think about it. Um, I think that's perfectly fine. Um, Just as it's perfectly fine for them to take a little time to see if they can come to resolve some of the things that you've asked for. So, you know, if you want to ask for more time, just say, hey, you know, I'm thrilled to get the offer. Um, I really need to digest this. Can I have until Tuesday to give you um, my answer? Or can I have until Tuesday so that I can have the questions really... Um, well in my mind that I want to ask. Those are That's very normal, and I would really recommend that you ask for that time because otherwise you're on the phone, you're trying to evaluate things, it's very emotional, chances are really good that you're not going to make a good decision. Yeah. So
1: I, I, I think that's wonderful advice is when somebody calls and offers your job, you don't have to say yes right away. And they they may not even expect you to say yes because they're going to want you to read the offer so that, you know, they know that you know what you're agreeing to. And I mm-hmm. think so many people mm-hmm. get so excited. They go, oh, yes, 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 especially now. It's a job. Mm-hmm. It's a job. And then they
2: wind up two weeks into the job going, I agreed to what?
1: You know? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. And one of the things that I can tell you from my time inside a company um, exactly. is that, Your employer wants you to understand everything that you're getting because they're paying for it. Um, And there, you know, some of these things, like long term incentives, they pay a lot for that and they are trying to get something specific out of that, which is to get you to stay with the company for a long time. And if you don't understand the value of what you're getting offered with your long term incentives, especially, then it's not, it can't act like the company expects it to, which is, oh my gosh, I have all of this value that will come to me after four years. I'm going to stick around until I get that value. And if you don't think that that's important, then it's not acting in the way that the company is paying for it to act. So they really do want you to understand things. Good, good. You know, I want to build
1: off on that they want you to stay because so often mm-hmm. people go, oh, I've got to find another job. I need more, more income. Mm-hmm. And since you were on that, that side, the compensation side, give our listeners an idea of how expensive it is to
2: replace someone. In terms of, oh gosh, you know, um, you know I mean, I'm just
3: probably hard. not I mean,
2: the best person to tell you, but you know I've I've seen studies that say that it costs you know three x um, a person's you know pay to you know replace them or you know it it costs you know all this stuff. It's not that they're going to pay you. It'd pay the next person three times what your salary is, but it, it does take a long time to get the benefit back um, when the, when they lose an employee because all of that training goes away, all of the internal knowledge, the fact that you know all of the acronyms and you know how the company works, all of that stuff goes away. If they and if they have to hire somebody from outside of the company, it takes a long time to get that back. So. Um, Um, So, yeah, I mean, companies do want you to stick around. um, And a lot of the programs that they design are designed to keep you around. Yeah.
1: But if – and I guess the reason I'm asking is there are people who look around and realize that there are new people being brought into the department at, you know, a lower level for Mm -hmm. greater salary, and they start to go, well, you know, I know we don't use the word fair – but they're just going, wait a minute, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I should go someplace else where I will get a more competitive yeah. salary. And I'm thinking that maybe the
2: first stop is to make a case for a pay raise. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a really interesting um, issue for employers because, um, for, especially for, like, super hot skills and stuff like that, it's hard for an employer to keep up with what's going on in the market. Um and so yeah, you know, you might see people being brought in who are um who might make more and and more than you do. And one of the things that I will say with the um you know, the the equal pay act, it's less likely to be an issue than it was back when I was coming up, but still it's something to to be aware of and I think that companies are smart when they bring people in that are paid higher, and the reason why is if if you restrict your talent pool to people who will come in below anybody who 's currently there, then you know you 'll never be able to to right the ship, um, and you're going to you know, abbreviate your talent pool so that only people who are willing to take a low salary will be willing to take your job. And so, yes, it's really painful when somebody comes from the outside and gets paid more than you do, But um, but it's the first step in kind of right-sizing the pay for that job. And it's not typically like the end of the line, okay, we're going to bring in the new person, we're going to pay them more, and we're never going to adjust anybody again. Um, Typically what will happen is over the course of the next, you know, year to 18 months, they'll bring people up and things like that. But there are budgetary constraints, and, you know, there's not like a ton of money that is free-floating out in everybody's organizations. But but I think that, that first step is, you know, getting people in at the right market rate And then, you know, you can use all the skills that we've talked about to make your case for higher pay.
1: I think especially um, earlier we talked about the pay gap for women and and other groups. I think um, for that group sometimes there is that aha moment when they realize that somebody else that's performing at a lower level is actually making more money. And Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm thinking is that before you just get upset and go find another job, probably the first stop should be um, a chat with your manager. I don't know. What do you you think? Yeah,
2: totally agree. I think that's absolutely the the right thing. And the more you can remove your emotion from this instead of, you know, the feeling of it's not fair, um, the more you can remove that emotion, the better job you're going to be doing um, to advocate for yourself. Absolutely.
1: We need to take another short break. Um, We'll be right back and continue our conversation with Kate. We're going to get into the final stages of negotiation, then hear a little bit more about her brand-new book. So hang on, and we'll see you back in a few minutes.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview the number two work.com. Now back to Career Central.
1: Welcome back. We're having a great conversation with Kate Dixon on how to um, handle negotiations, both for that first job and um, sometimes if you think that you want to ask for a pay raise. So, Kate, before the, um, we closed out, we were talking about the equal pay and um, that hopefully bringing everybody up, but that it's still okay. Before you quit your job, at least give your hiring manager an opportunity to chat with you about your salary. If that's your only reason for leaving, um, mm-hmm. so let's just talk about closing the negotiations. You did a great job. You know, expressed interest. You asked questions. You asked for what you want. Very upbeat. Um, how do you, how do you close it out?
2: Well, I, I think there there are a couple of things. So um, so again, you know, that four partner works great. Typically you're not going to be able to uh, negotiate your pay in one conversation and especially with executives um, it's very challenging to um, get these negotiating close in you know more than a couple of conversations so um, so I'd love to have my executive clients really look at things in in chunks so um, and I think it works um down farther in the organization to the extent that you can't close a conversation in one swoop, right? So my executive clients basically focus on base and bonus in their first conversation, Um, and the second conversation tends to um, focus more on um, uh, long-term incentives Sometimes they can do base bonus and long-term incentives in the first one. But long-term incentives um, can be the second one. Um, And then the third one is typically uh, around sign-on bonus and relocation kinds of details. So, again, when we think about the order of the negotiation, it's – It it tends to be kind of bigger to smaller, although, you know, long-term incentives can be very, very um, significant for my executive clients as well. So, um, you know, don't feel like you have to do everything in one thing. um, And make sure that you, you know, close on a good note. But one of the things that I really, 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 really recommend highly is to get everything in writing. In fact, I don't think you're done personally. I don't think you're done unless you get it in writing. And it's all good and well to have a conversation. Yes, we agree. Yes, we agree. Blah, blah, blah. That's great. Um, Ask the employer to send you a revised offer letter. And if they say, oh, well, we don't really need to do that, then what I would do is recommend to have you Um, say, hey, well, let me just document our conversation over email and I'll send that to you. And so then what you do is say, you know, go point by point, all the things that are different from your original offer letter, and and then you can close with something that's something like, um, uh, you know, uh, thank you so much, Um, please let me know if there are any changes to this, um, offer beyond what we have written here and then, you know, get, make sure that you get an okay, a yes, this is correct, something like that from the employer. It's not good enough for you to send it over to them that you need to get something back from them, um. And that's just to protect yourself. But once you have that, then yes, um, you, you're, you're complete, and that's great, and it's time to, to celebrate.
1: Fantastic. Is there any other advice or suggestions that you'd
2: like to offer our listeners in this whole negotiation process? Um, I think that it's really important to get clear on what you want. Before you even start talking to employers, um, and, and this goes to if you, if it's your current employer as well, really get clear on what is important to you. And it may be base pay, and it may be the work environment. It may be the kind of challenge that you have in the work that you do every day. Um, It may be the work environment. It may be the mission of the company. It's different for all of us, but make sure that you know what's important to you because just basing an offer or basing a job on base pay is basic. Don't do that. Um, And we're more complex individuals, and you can be a lot happier at a company that might offer a – teeny bit less in terms of base pay but tons more vacation Um, or maybe it has the same base pay but a flexible schedule again what is important to you so that you know what to negotiate i could not
1: agree more because you get paid depending on your company once a month or twice a month and makes you feel good when you see those numbers but it's really what you're doing every day that brings you mm-hmm. the joy from your job, so I think that's important. You bet. In you just don't focus on comparing two offers based on the salary. You know, dig deep into to how rewarding the work will be. So that yeah. that is great advice. We always ask our guests to give our audience a five second challenge, something they can do like right after the show is over, that will start them on the path of developing. In this case, um, ways to. Um, improve their negotiation skills. So what would you challenge
2: them to do? Um, So my um, five-second challenge is actually going to be my seven magic words for salary negotiation. And here they are. What kind of flexibility do you have? So what kind of flexibility do you have is kind of the seven magic words, because it works in a lot of different situations. So um, you can say, hey, uh, I'm targeting 60,000. How close can we get to that? And, you know, your boss could say, gee, I don't really know. Uh, We don't normally do increases at this time of the year. Bring out those seven magic words. What kind of flexibility do you have? And it's important to use those words in that sequence because it's not, hey, do you have any flexibility, which is not, super bad but it's a yes or no question and that allows them to immediately go nope i don't have flexibility it's a yes no it's really easy for them to process what kind of flexibility do you have really takes them into well you know i i don't know what flexibility do i have is there a way to solve this problem it works great if you're um Asking for more salary, or a bigger bonus, or more vacation time, or a special thing in um, relocation with a new company as well, because um, they could say, "Hey, you know, our relocation policy doesn't cover pets." And you might say, "Well, you know, moving my Great Dane across the country is a non-negotiable for me. I need to do that." and I can't put my Great Dane on a um airplane. Um and you know, I, I'm I need to drive my Great Dane across the the country. Um that's something that is super important he's one of my family and I need to do what kind of flexibility do you have? And I can I tell think you that it's it's good. Oh, it's, it's an actual example that an actual uh, friend of mine actually used and actually got um, a great result for her Great Dane. Actually, she has to, but, um, yeah.
1: And, uh, I love that story because it will remind us that we're going to go around practicing saying what kind of flexibility do you have so that, It just comes out naturally whenever you're in that Mm -hmm. situation. That is a wonderful five-second challenge, and we can all jump on it. I would love you to share a little bit more about your book, where we can find it. I've got to admit that um, I have read it. I just think it's amazing. But if you want to share with our listeners um, how they can get your book and maybe um, how they can follow you.
2: Awesome. Well, so the book is called Pay Up. Unlocking Insider Secrets of Salary Negotiation. Um, And it's a teal-color book, navy lettering, um, just so you know you get the right pay-up book. Uh, And it's available on um, most of the uh, big booksellers, so Amazon, Apple, Google Play, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, um, pretty much all of them. Have availability. Uh, If you want to get it in paperback, um, the paperback providers are uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and Powell's Books so far. So, um, but the ebook is available almost everywhere. And if you'd like to follow me or get more information about the book, my website is Kate Dixon, K-A-T-E-D-I-X-O-N. Dot O-R-G. And there's information about the book. There's information about my salary negotiation services. Uh, and also, I have a uh, business book club that I review all kinds of business on there. There's all kinds of stuff for you. And I blog about um, salary negotiation and leadership and things on, on my website.
1: Fantastic. I encourage our leaders, uh, you are a leader in the field, our um, listeners to definitely um, check out your website, follow your blogs. If you are anywhere in that process of thinking that you're going to be entering in a negotiation anytime soon, get ahead of the curve, start to, to follow Kate. Anyway, Kate, I want to thank you for joining us today. For those of you that are listening on iTunes, Spotify, or another platform, that lets you rate our show and leave comments, please let us know how we are doing. Career Central is committed to bringing practical career advice to you each week. Your feedback will help us achieve that goal. Um, Just before we leave, a final reminder, you're going to go around practicing the what kind of flexibility do you have until that is just part of your vocabulary. So anytime you are in the middle of a negotiation, that will just come right out very comfortably. So um, as soon as you get home, stop jogging, or whatever you're doing while you're listening to this podcast, start um, learning that phrase and making it part of your career development um, vocabulary. Next week, in support of National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we are going to talk about maintaining your career during treatment and how coworkers and supervisors can be supportive of those dealing with breast cancer. We're going to have two very successful women share how they handled their treatment, and their career, and also someone coming on and telling us ways that as um, co-workers we can be supportive of folks who are dealing with those issues. As I shared with you last week, you have taken Career Central to the top 10% of all podcasts. Our November 16th show will be our listener appreciation podcast. The topic and guest for this show will be selected from listeners' requests. So if you have a topic or guest you would like to feature on the show, send your suggestions to Career at gmail.com. If you include your name and mailing address, you we will send you a thank you gift. So send your ideas to Career Central I'm yeah, com as soon as possible. Since I stumbled over that, let me repeat it. Career at gmail.com as soon as possible. We have gifts for the first 50 people who send in suggestions, and we will be accepting suggestions through October 30th. So until our next show, this is Lorraine Beeman encouraging you to take care of your career because you are the only one qualified to do it.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.